year, we were talking all about, as a church, what it looks like to go all in with Jesus, with the church, and with His mission. And we're looking at this in a multitude of ways. And currently, on Sunday mornings, we are in a series entitled Relationships. And that's exactly what the series is about, how to know God's design for the relationships in our life, but then to pursue God's design for those relationships. And so this past Sunday, we talked about the subject of bitterness. And I talked about how I have all of my Sunday morning sermons planned one year in advance. And rarely, if ever, do I divert from that plan. Well, this Sunday, I made an exception. I really felt God impressing on my heart really over the last several months, but especially the last several weeks, to take an entire Sunday morning and to address the topic of bitterness, a subject that eats away at so many people for years and years and years. In fact, it can destroy lives and destroy relationships. And so Sunday, we called it bitterness, uh, the danger to healthy relationships. I would say that bitterness is the number one enemy to healthy relationships. If you want to have healthy relationships, whether that's a marriage or friendships, healthy relationships with your children or with your in-laws or with your boss or co-workers or neighbors or classmates, whatever it may be, you have to root out the bitterness that is hidden in your heart. You must take steps toward healing, but you have to have a heart that desires to do that. I mean, what took place on Sunday morning was remarkable. I've been pastoring for nearly 15 years. I've been preaching every Sunday for the last decade. And I can honestly say that what took place on Sunday morning was unlike anything that I have ever before seen. As I came to the end of the sermon, I gave everybody the opportunity to take what we call a next step. And we gave several ways that people could take next steps. And I offered a next step that I have never before suggested on a Sunday morning during a worship service. And that was that I told people, hey, if there is somebody in this room that you are bitter toward, as we have this last song sung over us, as we take this time of next steps, I'm going to encourage you right now, don't wait any longer. Get up from your seat, go to that person, and begin the process of healing in fact, that's exactly what happened on several occasions on Sunday. Many people did not see that because we had everybody begin either on their knees, their heads bowed or their eyes closed, or they began in their seat with their heads bowed and their eyes closed. As people began to move, as they came to pastors to pray, as they came to the stairs to pray, as they went and grabbed someone to pray with, as they went to grab someone to begin to address the hurt, many people did not see it, but we as the pastors had the privilege to see the beginning process of healing taking place. And then even after the sermon, we had many people come to us and tell us, hey, even though I didn't get up and move, and even though I didn't come to a pastor, even though I didn't come to the stairs, you have no idea what I began to confess and cry out to the Lord about right there in my seat. So we pray that this continues to take place. We know that there are conversations that were had yesterday conversations that will be had today as this healing continues to take place in the life of our church. And so if you were here on Sunday and you heard the message and you did not take steps toward healing, I want to challenge you 
You may have missed the opportunity in the moment on Sunday, but please do not miss the opportunity forever. Please do not cling to your bitterness any longer. Begin to dig it up and root it out. I also want to remind you that this is a process. The healing of bitterness is not complete with just one sermon. It's not complete with just one prayer time. It's not complete with just one conversation. The process hopefully has started for you, or hopefully the process will begin for you. And then see this process all of the way through. And remember, it takes time. And so again, here are some next steps for you to be reminded of and for you to continue. One, continue to pour out your soul to the Lord. Acknowledge the hurt. He wants to hear it. He needs to hear it. And He can handle your hurt. Again, remember the incredible story we briefly mentioned. It's in the Old Testament. It's about this woman named Hannah. And Hannah desperately wanted a baby. Specifically, she wanted a child. In fact, her future was dependent upon having this child. She was married. Unfortunately, her husband also had another wife. And that other wife was able to have all kinds of children. And so that wife made fun of Hannah, poked fun at her. Her husband saw her as a failure. She was unable to have a child, unable to have a son. And for years and years, she held on to this pain and to this hurt in her heart. Till finally, one year, as she went to worship the Lord, she was in the temple of the Lord. And the Bible says that she began to pour out her soul to God. And she asked God to remember her. And she asked God to bless her. And she asked God to give her a child. But even before God gave her that child, the Bible says that she had joy in her heart. She had already given it up to the Lord. And what brought healing for Hannah was that she cried out to the Lord. So continue every day to cry out to the Lord. A second next step is to pour out your soul to a brother or to a sister in Christ. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, to bear one another's burdens, and to so fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus Christ is the great burden bearer. And there's some bitterness, there's some hurt, there's some pain, there's some jealousy, there's some resentment in your heart. It is so deep, you cannot carry the burden on your own. You need a brother, you need a sister in Christ that you trust, that you can confide in, that you can honestly share with. They're going to hold you accountable. They're going to encourage you. They're going to call you out where you've messed up. They're going to pray for you. They're going to ask you how, they're, how you're doing. And they're going to walk through this journey with you. A third next step could be that you need to set up an appointment with me or one of our pastors or one of our staff members. And you need to begin to share about the hurt and the pain and the bitterness that's in your heart. Fourth, it may be that you need to contact and set up a meeting with one of us or set up a meeting with a professional Christian counselor, someone that has the expertise and the training and the experience to sit down with you and to begin to dig deep and to get into the recesses of your heart and to rip out the root of bitterness. And then finally, the next step may be that you need to pursue peace and reconciliation with somebody else when and where you are able. 
What I mean by that is the person that you are bitter toward, or the person that is bitter toward you, they're still alive. They're still around. They're still active in your life. And instead of saying, well, I'm just going to get over it, and I'm just going to put a smile on my face, and then I'm just going to deal with them, and I'm just going to tolerate them, you need to go to them. You need to pursue peace. You need to pursue reconciliation. In fact, on Sunday, we read from Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 14 and 15. And in verse 14, the writer of Hebrews tells us as Christians that we are to pursue peace with everyone. So in order for you to root out the bitterness in your own heart, you need to go to that person that's harmed you, that you're envious toward, jealous toward. And you need to confess with your mouth the hurt in your heart and you need to pursue peace. Listen to also what Jesus, or excuse me, what the Apostle Paul writes In Romans chapter 12, it's kind of long, verses 9 through 21, but these words are so powerful, I want to read all of them. In fact, in the heading of my Bible, it calls this section this, Marks of the True Christian. And listen to what the Apostle Paul writes, very similar to what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, about pursuing peace with everyone. Verse 9, Paul says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the need of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Listen to what he says. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with lowly. the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live Peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning Coals on his head, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Man, there is so much in that passage of Scripture that we could spend time on. But what Paul is telling us along with the writer of Hebrews, he says this, if you want to root out the bitterness in your own life, you have to pursue peace and reconciliation with others. That's the way to be healed of bitterness. And so it is my hope and it is my prayer that what took place on Sunday is nearly the beginning of the healing in your life. That it's just the beginning of the healing in the lives of those in our church. And it's just the beginning of the healing as our, for our church as a whole. And so as we begin this and continue this healing process, there are just a few things that I want to dig down deeper on tonight in the podcast for just a few minutes. As we seek peace with one another, 
As we seek healing from our bitterness, three things to quickly consider tonight. Number one, pursue humility. As people in our church, perhaps people in your own family, as they seek healing from their bitterness, it is possible, even if you don't believe it, that you are one of the people that they are bitter toward. You might not be aware of that, or it is possible that you are completely oblivious to the fact that something you did or said has hurt them in such a way that they have become bitter. But in order for them to experience true healing, the healing that they need, they need to come to you. And they need to confront you. And the two of you need to have an honest and an open and a healing conversation. But when they approach you, and when they share with you how you have hurt them, it is very possible if you are not careful, and if you are not allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you, that you will become defensive, that you will become offended, that you will seek to deny their feeling, you'll seek to justify yourself. And here is the deal, in most of these cases, that is not helpful, that's not a healing approach. And in most cases, there is likely some truth to their hurt, to their pain. So before you respond in justification and in anger and in an argumentative way, remember the Word of God says, first, be quick to listen. Take the time to hear them. Keep quiet. Hear them out. Let them speak. Let them get this off of their chest. Truly listen to them. Truly Hear what they have to say. Then when it's time for you to respond, the goal of your response is not to justify yourself. It is to achieve peace. It is to achieve reconciliation. It is to achieve restoration. If you will respond by embodying the four guiding principles of our church, which are to be loving, to be selfless, to be flexible, to be understanding, then healing will be achieved. Listen, you lose absolutely nothing and you gain everything by admitting your faults, meeting them in the middle, and finding a place of compromise. So pursue humility. Number two, trust God's sovereignty. Several months ago on Sunday morning and also through our podcast, we discussed what we call the doctrine of God. We discussed what we believe according to the Bible, about the God of the Bible. The Bible teaches that our God is completely sovereign. This means that He is completely in, 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 in total control of all things. Nothing catches our God off guard. Nothing surprises Him. Nothing happens by mistake or accident. And this would include even the things that are painful and the things that are hurtful. There's two wonderful examples of this in the Bible. One is a story of a man named Joseph in the Old Testament. And his brothers become jealous of him and angry toward him. And so they sell him into slavery. Eventually he leaves his hometown of Israel and he's a slave in Egypt. And all sorts of horrible things happen to Joseph. But eventually he finds favor in the eyes of the Pharaoh, the leader there in Egypt. And because he finds favor, he, he it, it takes on an incredible leadership role. 
And as the leader there in Egypt, an incredible famine happens in Israel. And the people in Israel are starving. They need to be rescued. They need to be delivered. And so the family, the brothers of Joseph come to Egypt for food. And when they get there, Joseph has the opportunity to get revenge on them, but instead he forgives them. And he says, what you meant for evil, God used for good. God worked through his pain and his hurt to bring about good. The other example is in the New Testament. It's the example of Jesus Christ, what Satan and what the world meant for evil. God used for good, for your good and for my good. By putting Jesus Christ on the cross, God provided a way through the suffering of Jesus for you and I to be forgiven. Both of these stories teach us that God is in control even in the midst of your pain, even in the midst of your suffering. And while your suffering is real, and while it is painful, you can trust God with all of your heart that He can use it for your good and He can use it for His glory. The Bible says that suffering makes you more like Jesus. Suffering makes you thankful for the good things in your life. Suffering causes us to be more dependent and more desperate for God. Suffering allows us to use our life experiences and our life pain to minister to others. Our God is both the God of the mountain when things are good, and He's the God of the valley when things are bad. So as you seek healing from your bitterness, especially if you are bitter toward God, trust His sovereignty. The will of God is not the safest place to be. But the will of God is the best place to be. And then finally, as you seek to pursue healing, bless others. A great pastor friend of mine told me several months ago, he said, look, as you pastor in the church, people in your church are going to hurt you. He said, but you know that you have been healed from bitterness. When you're out in the town and you see that person, and when you see that person, the first thing that comes to your heart is not anger or pain or resentment or jealousy or bitterness, but instead you are loving toward them. He said, you know that you've been healed of your bitterness. This is the ultimate goal. This is what we are aiming after. When you're able to pray for and then to bless the very person that hurt you, you know you've been delivered from bitterness. When you pray for God to bless that spouse that left you for someone else, you've been delivered. When you honor the memory of that parent at a funeral who hurt you, you have been delivered. When you text or you call that friend who stabbed you in the back just to let them know that you are thinking of them, you have been delivered. This Sunday is Mother's Day. As I was thinking about my mom, as I was thinking about bitterness, my mom grew up in a really tough home, a really tough situation. My mom, perhaps more than anybody else I know, has every reason to be bitter. But because my mom met Jesus Christ and He became her Lord and Savior as a teenager, my mom is full of love and mercy and forgiveness. This is the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we were enemies of God. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
The Bible says that Jesus was led like a lamb to the slaughter. When he was accused and punched in the face, he didn't seek revenge. And when he was hanging on the cross for my sins and your sins, he actually said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Instead of seeking revenge, He died in our place. He saved us from our sins. He delivered us from death. He brought us into the family of God. He has given to us an inheritance. He has given to us a future, a future of peace and a future of hope. He has blessed us beyond anything we could ever imagine. Remember, forgiveness is the antidote to bitterness. And we forgive others. Because God in Christ first forgave us. May God continue the healing in your life. I pray you have a wonderful weekend. Great Mother's Day. We'll see you back here very soon on the podcast. I love you. God bless.